Can you all hear me? Hello? Hello? Okay. All right. Well, today is Father's Day, and um, I'm glad that this morning someone said Father's Day, Happy Father's Day to me, and uh, at least my youngest son was awake, and uh, the other two were asleep, in the, still in the bedroom, so, <laughs> but, you know, and my youngest son actually made me a very uh, cute, uh, in, in fact, two cards, handmade cards, and one with the... Uh, one with me, like sort of like a card shape, uh, shirt shape card, you know, like a shirt I always wear on Sunday. And the other card is uh, cards with, you know, letters and messages. And so, and he, I think he gave me a handkerchief for Father's Day's gift. And uh, so I believe my two other children will give me uh, uh, each uh, one card each from, uh, from, from, from each of my children. So... I'm looking forward to that. And so on this Father's Day, I would like to say uh, Happy Father's Day to all fathers and all father figures. So we're not just celebrating and honoring just fathers, but all those who uh, have a uh, role to play as uh, fathers or figures that people can look up to. Now, I would like to say a little bit about the origin of the Father's Day. On the first, the first Father's Day was observed on June 19, uh, 19.10. Uh, I think it was uh, more than 100 years ago in Spokane, uh, a city of Spokane, in the state of Washington, United States. About the same time in various towns and cities across America. So this is an uh, American celebration originated in America. And so... Other towns and cities across America, other people were celebrating, uh, started to celebrate Father's Day. And in 1924, President uh, Calvin Coolidge uh, supported the idea of a national Father's Day. So finally, in 1966, uh, President Lyndon Johnson signed a presidential procl uh, proclamation declaring the third Sunday of June, this is America, of course, as Father's Day, as far as we celebrate Father's Day on the first Sunday of September. So ever since uh, Father's Day has become a day not only to honor fathers, but also all men who act as a father figures. And so speaking of fathers or father figures of many in the Bible, um, one cannot fail to mention uh, the Apostle Paul. And uh, who was a spiritual father to many, especially to the Corinthians, to the Thessalonians, to Timothy, and some mentioned just now to uh, John Mark as well. And so he was also, in, in fact, he was referred to at least uh, in twice in the two books in 1 Corinthians 4, 4, 14, he said, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. And also in First Thessalonians chapter two, verse eleven, the passage we just read, Paul said to the Thessalonians, "For you know that we dealt with each of you as father deals with his own children." So he is not referring to only himself, but others, people who minister to the Thessalonians as well. 
So for today, I will select the passage from the First Thessalonians chapter two. I'd like to share with you a few、um, traits as a father, or、uh, you know, fatherly traits as father from the book of Thessalonians chapter two. So first of all, I believe that the father must be able to、uh, express genuine love、uh, to their children. In verse eleven, we read. Uh, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, and so how did he treat them? He treated them as their own children, although they are not physically Apostle Paul's children, but they, but he treated them as their own children. Now, bear in mind that Paul said this not to shame them, as mentioned in First Corinthians, or to belittle them, but. To express his love for the Thessalonians as his own children, and so he also said that, you know, it has become obvious in verse seven. Paul said to them, "We were like young children, or as gentle as young children, among you, just as a nursing mother cares for her children." So he's not just acting like they're. On father, but they treated them as gently as children, like a nursing mother. Okay, so there's something that is going on here. So by saying that, by saying all these things, Paul really expressed his love for the Thessalonians. So how sweet of Paul to say that to the Thessalonians here. Now we often think Paul must be some kind of stern and rigid person, and or some sort of a fire and brimstone preacher. Maybe he was, and a person who doesn't quite understand people or and know how to express his feelings. But after reading this letter, especially、uh, this portion of the book, we will find that it's quite contrary, quite the opposite.、Uh, you know, so fathers, we don't have. Have to create an impression of forceful fathers and of forceful fathers to be. Many of you are probably not yet married and probably、uh, not yet have children. Or, but bear in mind, and next time when you have, when you have children, we don't always have to、uh, create this impression that we are very stern and rigid or unapproachable.、Uh, in fact, we need to be like Paul, as a, as a father who is able to express an our love. Toward our children, like Paul expresses love for the Thessalonians, and、uh, having said that, I think expressing love or feelings does not come natural for all men. I know there are some ex- exceptions to that, and some of you may not dis- agree with me on this. You know,、uh, men are not quite natural in expressing their loves and feelings to other people. Maybe when you are in love. And、uh, when you, it's easier, natural for you to express your love toward your maybe your girlfriends, but you know, besides that, men are not as easy as expressing their feelings toward maybe their、uh, own wife or even toward their own children. And so, so I think that's one of the reasons why the Bible instructs the husbands. 
to love their wives, and because most of most most men have to learn how or to work hard to express their love toward their wives. Okay, it's not that they don't love them; they just don't say it. Okay, they don't say, "I love you." You know. I love you as much as I used to, you know, and from the since the, and, and 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 also uh, it is finding very hard for the fathers to tell the children I love you, right, man? Do you agree with me? Do you agree with me? Some of me, some some of you are not too sure about that, you know. But and but on the other hand, the Bible doesn't quite instruct wives to love their husbands. Why? Because I believe it is because love comes naturally for women. And God designed them to be to be more expressive, and so they are able to express their feelings more naturally.、Uh, so instead, wives are told to honor or respect their husbands. So we men have to learn how to express our love, and and that is not only true in a marriage marriage relationship,、uh, it is also true between father and child relationship. I would like to tell you the illustration I took from in.、Uh, I gathered from one of the cartoon strips in America, and、uh, for better or for worse. Now, this cartoon strip showed a dad coming into the room where his teenage、uh, daughter was sitting、uh, on the couch in the living room, watching television and munching on some popcorns. And it doesn't have to be popcorns; it can be a bag of potato chips or corn chips. And so, so he decided to sit down next to her, and help himself with the popcorns. And this is what this is. I think I have done that many times when my children are watching a TV, watching TV, and you know, munching on some snacks. I would just sit bit next to them and just help myself with the snacks. And some of you may have done the same thing too. So the father decided to sit down next to her and help himself with the popcorns. I said, and as he was sitting there, a thought balloon. Appears over his head because it's a cartoon. So when the person is thinking, a thought balloon would appear over the head of the person. And so he is thinking. I remember she was so young, and I held her in my arms and I loved her, and it was so wonderful. And was, she was so cute. And、uh, now look at her. She was all grown up and such a beautiful girl too. And、uh, And I wonder what she would think if I held her like I used to, and told her again that I love her. And it was、uh, she was thinking about that, and、uh, he finally concludes that she would feel uncomfortable、uh, if I did that or say I love her. So、uh, he didn't give her a hug or even say that I, I love her. And、while she was thinking that, the daughter is thinking, and another thought balloon pop over her minds. I was thinking inside her, and is thinking, I wonder why my dad never hugs me anymore. So you know what? I can totally relate to this because many of you know that I have a 16-year-old daughter, and she's going to turn 17 soon, this October. So as as, one, as as I was preparing this message, you reminded me to give her a hug. In fact, many hugs over this week, over the last week, and、um, and I told her that I love her, and、um, I could see that my daughter started to open up 
less, at least less grumpy. <laughs> you know, sometimes you know girls can get a bit grumpy you know, during the week, and uh, you know, but we need to be sensitive toward them. You know, they are girls, and uh, God made them differently. And so, <laughs> so, so I could see my daughter started to open up, and in fact, we had a long chat of two hours. You know, can you imagine that she didn't go to school last week one day because she was having some allergy reaction. So we had a long chat for two hours. Can you imagine that? And talk about everything, talk about school things, family things, theology, everything. You know, everything under the sun. And um, so we had a good time. And so, but it is, isn't it sad that sometimes we dads are not... Uh, I'm not sure how to express our love toward our children, not just daughters, but only also to our sons. And um, because we think that they are all grown up and they don't need us anymore. No, they do. They do need you. And um, so give them lots of hugs and kisses. And uh, it is our family traditions uh, whenever, uh, you know, every morning when, uh, when I drop them, uh, at school, they have to kiss me on my cheek. I don't know whether you have done that to your dad or your children have done that to you. They have to kiss me on the cheek. Even my 16-year-old daughter kissed me on, the, on my cheek when, on, when I dropped them at school. And I insisted they, will, they have to continue to do so. So, <laughs> so, uh, so uh, give them lots of hugs and kisses and tell them that you love them. And uh, don't be stingy about telling them. Okay? They need to hear that from you. And uh, in fact, one of my sons, I'm not going to tell you which one, sometimes they come and ask me, Dad, do you love me? <laughs> they want assurance. They want assurance. Not just, not, just, not, just, not just girls, women, or wives, even children sometimes, they want assurance from, uh, from parents. They want to know that we really love them. And so, now, beside the Apostle Paul, I want to mention another example of fatherhood, which comes from the story of the prodigal son, which many of us know the story. And, um, and as you know, the story goes like this. A rich man had two sons, an elder, elder son and a younger son. And the younger son asked his dad for a share of inheritance, which is not, he is not supposed to, and, uh, and gone off to a far country and squanders all his possession and money. So as his money ran out and his friends also ran out. So okay, so even no money, no friends. So he, has so, he became so poor, he had to steal food from the pigs. So as he was thinking about that, he was eating you know, with the pigs. And, and, then, and then the Bible says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's fire servants have food to spare and here Am I, I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And if he read on, he actually was preparing to go back to his father and, uh, and ask, him, ask his father to allow him to be one of his servants, not a son. And you know what the story went, okay? So as soon as he went back home, the father welcomed him, you know, uh, and embraced him and kissed him and even threw a big party and, uh, for him. And of course, the eldest son was not happy. A lot of, a lot of people actually said the, the main point about this uh, parable is story. It's not about the youngest son, but the eldest son. 
Anyway, that's for another discussion. So, see, it's the beautiful thing to know about this, this story is, is that this is a picture of our Heavenly Father who always welcomes a repentant sinners. Um, so if there's one thing we can learn from the stories about fatherhood is this. We need to teach our kids, no matter how deep your sin is, you can always come home. You can always come home. You can always find forgiveness. And that's genuine love. And so because when we do that, we are teaching them to know about our Heavenly Father or what He's like. And they will grow up knowing that our Heavenly Father will never leave them nor forsake them. And always willing to forgive and receive back penitent children. And that will give them hope so that they will not be discouraged. So when they sin, along the, along, when they sin, sin against God along, uh, along, along, along the life, along, along the way, you know, they, will never, they will not feel discouraged and say, well, I don't think God can ever forgive me. So, so first trait of biblical father who is able to express genuine love, as I said, and secondly, a transparent life. So a father needs to live a transparent life for our children. And when I say transparent life, I don't mean that you make yourself invisible or unnoticeable or become an absentee father and always not around, so you're transparent, you're invisible. And um, when I say transparent life, I mean a life that can be seen and follow after as a positive role model, Okay. And again, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul says, We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So notice there is a connection between the word gospel and our lives. The fact that Paul mentioned the word lives means that Paul and other people were not only ready to share to the Thessalonians the written gospel, but they are also sharing to the Thessalonians the living gospels, their own lives, their godly examples. But before I want to mention about positive role modeling, I want to stress something that is very important here, probably more important than most of you have heard about being a father. That is, we need to present ourselves to our kids as someone who is capable of making mistakes. Now you may be wondering why is, the, why is, the, why is that the case? You know, and are, wouldn't it be better to present to our kids that we are perfect? The problem is that we are not perfect. No, let's face it, as much as we, as, as much as we fathers or father figures, uh, when I say father figures, it could be a church leader, it could be someone who is leading the group, and, uh, or a Sunday school, and uh, you can be a father figures as well. So we want to be perfect examples for our children or for those who look up to us. Uh, the reality is, is that we are not perfect, and we have, done, we have to realize that. So what do we do? Uh, should we lower the standards that God has set for us as positive role models? 
No. Uh, or should we lower the, our expectations upon our children? No. I think we fathers or father figures need to let our children and those who look up to us know that we are real people, okay? Real people who can make mistakes too. And we need to let them see that we are people who are not just people. We are sinners who have received the gospel of Jesus Christ and whose heart has been transformed by the Spirit of God, who still sin and make mistakes from time to time. And more importantly, we must make sure that we have to let them know that we also should have the courage to admit our mistakes and strive to do better by the grace of God each time when we fail. So it is not uncommon that I sometimes I have to confess my sins to my family members. I have to say, I have to apologize to them for the way that I behaved. And sometimes you, we fathers may be excessive in the way we discipline them. Or maybe we use words which are not appropriate when we discipline our children. Or sometimes when we misunderstand them, the things that they may have not done, but we have uh, chided them. And we have to apologize. We can't pretend that nothing has happened. We can't pretend that we are perfect because we are not. And, uh, and, when we, and when, every time when we are wrong, say something wrong, or you know, put our wrong behavior, we need to confess our sins, not just to God, but to them as well. And say, hey, and a son or uh, a girl, you know, I have said the wrong thing. You know, will you forgive me? And, um, and let them know that we are sinners too, saved by the grace of God. And we are constantly changing and trying to do our best to be more like Jesus Christ. Robert Fulgham became popular when he wrote the book entitled Everything I Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And uh, by implication, he's saying that everything that I needed to know, I learned from my parents before I turned six years old. <laughs> so the first six years old of your child or your children are extremely important. In fact, one of the Catholic priests said, give me uh, six or seven years uh, of your child's life. First six and seven years of our child's life, I will make him a Catholic for life. Now, whether we disagree or agree with what Catholics teach, that's beside the point. But it is important to know that the, the first six and seven years of a child, child's life is extremely important for the child. And then the same author, Fogum, also wrote another book, and, it is, uh, and in it he talks about grown-up children coming home again. In this book, he says that it is normal when grown-up kids come back home to recall about things they uh, got by with or got away with. And they did something wrong, did something bad, but the, the parents never found out. Okay? And so when they were younger, and the mom and dad never found out about. So listen to this. This is very interesting. He says that when his children began recalling that his oldest son said, 
Dad, you know, when I was 14 years old, you know, mom got out for a while. I went out to the garage and got in the car, started up and back it out, drove it around a few blocks, many, several times, and then put it back in the garage and you never knew it. And how many of you have that same experience? I don't think so, okay. Um, it's too costly to be doing that in Australia. The fines are expensive, you know, fine $406. And, um, and everybody laughed. And then he went on and said, another time when you and mom went to the grocery store, we kids, now this is more terrible, because okay? so we, we kids went out in the backyard and smoked a cigar. <laughs> so I think my brother has done that, you know, smoke a cigarette. But I never done that because I never liked the smell of the cigarette. You know, not that I was temp not, not tempted to do so, but I never liked it. And but it, you know, but and it said you came home early, and we thought for sure you had caught us, but you never knew, and we got away with. It. Once again, everybody laughed, and it was a bonding time for them all. Then Fugum told his children, "Now is the time, Dad." tells a story to his children. So he didn't know some of the things your mom and I got away with. For instance, you never knew that we took a cut off the money that your grandma sent you at Christmas. <laughs> I confess I've done that before. You know, you know, Chinese New Year's, you know, parents, grandparents would like to give unbound red packets full of money in there. And I kept them when they're small, and that's, I just kept them for them. I just, you know, kept them. I just never gave them. And as they grow older, they realize, oh, something's wrong, you know? So, and, uh, so I never done that anymore. So, because they're older, so you can't slow, so like, you know, do that anymore. So, and, uh, and, they, and you never knew that sometimes when we told you we weren't serving leftovers, and they really were leftovers in disguise in some way. So, that's okay, you know. And you never knew that when, not, when you called me from camp, and you were so homesick, and I told you that I missed you, but I lied. <laughs> that's a terrible one. Because I really miss my kids when they're at camps. And uh, I really told them I missed him, you know. And uh, so, but anyway, he went on. I know who sent you the anonymous Valentine cards, which is this one I don't know because I, I don't know who likes who in school, who likes my daughter, who, li who, li who, who likes my boys, you know. I don't know what's going on in school. And but anyway, and, and I know uh, who got into my wallet and took money and never said so. Okay, and, uh, and there were times when I let you lie to me because the truth was so hard or too hard for either of us to hear. And, and there were times when I told you that I loved you, and this is hard, this is, I find it difficult to understand. I, I told you I loved you, but when I didn't love anybody. And this is from Fugun's experience, and he said he couldn't lo even love himself at the time. Now, that's transparency, and that's a failure of, of a father sharing that failure to their own children, and it's hard to deal with. You say, what is this kind of transparency important? Doesn't this actually weaken the authority 
of you as parents over the children. You may think, and that's what you think. But, what, but quite the opposite, actually. We must remember that ultimately our authority over the children comes from God. It doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from your wife. <laughs> it comes from God. And, and the Bible has to be the foundation of that authority. And the Spirit of God must be our guide and our help. And so we can't just present ourselves only as authority figures, but not as sinners, just like them, just like our children. We have to let them know that we are sinners too, saved by the grace of God. We need to teach our children ultimately what can change them it's not the set of rules or a list of do's and don'ts that we ask them to do or to follow. Or not even the disciplines that we enforce in the home. But the Spirit of God who uses the Word of God as an instrument to bring up real changes in their lives. So the Word and the Spirit of God the Word is the instrument that the Spirit uses to transform your, our lives, your lives and my lives, and your children's lives. So, so we can't expect them to change by asking them, hey, you need to follow a set of do's and don'ts. If you do that, you'll be a good Christian. No, we don't tell them that. We tell them the only way that you can change is to depend upon the Spirit of God, and read the Word, and let the Word of God changes you as the Spirit of God transforms you and renews your mind. So we can't just present ourselves as authoritative figures, as I said, but as sinners just like them who need the grace of God, of God's forgiving grace, as much as they do. This is why we must be transparent. In other words, we must be honest with them that we are sinners too, who are capable of committing the same sin. I think wise parents, uh, I don't claim that I'm, as more wise, I'm wiser than you are, but I think a wise parents should do this. Whenever a child does something wrong, you should go back to your childhood and ask yourself whether you have done the same thing before or not, before you chide them, before you correct them. If you have, and the likelihood is that you have, and you tell them, son, what you've done is wrong, but you know what? Your dad has done the same thing before. So don't lose hope. Go back to God, confess your sins, but at the same time, don't lose hope. God will be able to change you. And let's work it out together. Let's be better disciple of Jesus. We don't want to sugarcoat the mistake or sin that he has committed, but at the same time give the person hope. And knowing that the grace of God is there to forgive him, at the same time, the only way that he can change is not by us scolding them to death, but to remind them that the Spirit of God can change them and can make them a better disciple of Jesus. Okay, 
and give them a hug after the talk and tell them that you love them. Isn't that how God would have treated us? And he has been treating us like that ever since the first day we became his child. So, this is what I meant when I said we need to live a transparent life. So, this is another trait of biblical fatherhood. So, first, fathers need to be able to express genuine love. Second, a transparent life. And a third, fathers need to be exemplified genuine spirituality. Again, Paul says, you are witnesses, and so is God, in verse 10, in how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. Verse 10 of chapter 2, Second First Thessalonians. Now remember I said it's important to live a transparent life because it is important. We need to show our kids or those who looked up to us as fathers or father figures that we too make same mistakes. We too commit the same sin but are willing to not only admit those mistakes but willing to learn from those mistakes by the grace of God. However, being transparent in the way that we live our life before our children has another aspect. Not just admitting our mistakes, not just admitting that we are as weak as you are, but also to try our best or to strive to do or to try to do our best to be a positive role models for our children. Yes, on one hand, we need to show them that we are real people uh, who are capable of committing the same sin and making the same mistakes. But the, on, on the other hand, we also need to live up to what we preach or teaching by examples. In other words, Paul says in verse 10, when we lived among you, we got we not only that we told you the gospel or the good news, we also preached to you by how we lived our lives. And that is genuine spirituality. Now, let's face it. If you're a father or father figures, children will be more touched or impacted by how we live our lives rather than how or what we preach to them. Agree? And the Chinese has a proverb that goes like this. Uh, some of you know Chinese but know what I'm saying. How many of you got it? <laughs> or teaching by example is more important than teaching itself. So they will learn more by seeing you and I make important decisions from time to time. And they will learn more by seeing you weigh the biblical values versus the values of this world. Which do you care more, biblical values or values of this world? And they are looking. And they will learn more by seeing you, seeing how you view different social issues and how you will make wise judgments and discernments. 
And they will learn more by seeing how you resist temptations and the pull of this world. And they will learn more by seeing how you manage the resources that God has given you, whether it be your money in the bank account, your house, your cars, and everything that you have. And uh, if you say, let us be God's good stewards, how do we use those resources that God has given us? And they are watching, that they're looking. And uh, they will learn more by seeing how you handle stress, anxiety, and pressures at work, or even ministry. And uh, they will learn more by seeing how you resolve conflicts within your marriage relationship or any relationship or friendships. And last but not least, they will learn more about the importance of reading the Bible and praying to God if they could see uh, you uh, doing them yourself. Yeah? And I hope this is an encouragement, not a discouragement to you all. Okay? Because we're all learning together. I'm a father too. So as father or as fathers or father's father figures, it is our responsibility to show them that we are serious about our faith and that and that we are you know not only serious about our faith but our walk with the lord and that our walk with the lord is genuine we need to show them that in other words we need to be consistent with the way we live and with the way we talk and the way we behave ourselves and that is genuine spirituality so what are the traits of biblical fatherhood? First, firstly, we, we said that we should be able to express genuine love. So fathers, don't forget to express your love to your children. As I said, don't be stingy uh, in giving them hugs and kisses. And don't forget to say to them that I love you. Okay, And they need to hear that from you. And secondly, uh, we need to live a transparent life. Negatively, it means admitting that we are capable of committing the same sins and making the same mistakes as they are, but willing to confess that sin and admit our mistakes to God and to people and relying on the Spirit of God to change them over time. And thirdly, genuine spirituality positively we need to live by what we preach to them. And uh, we need to be serious about our faith and be genuine about our walk with the Lord. And we need to teach them by first practicing them ourselves. Okay? So, once again, blessed Father's Day. And may God help all our fathers and our father figures and to be more like Him. For He is the only perfect examples that we should point all our children to, and not to us, because they were not perfect, but we point them to God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you once again for giving us fathers. Indeed, we, uh, we should honor them and respect them and, and continue to pray for them. At the same time, as fathers, we realize that we are imperfect. We are sinners saved by grace. We pray that you will help us to, be, to humble ourselves down, not only before you, but before even our family members, our children, our wives, whenever there are mistakes that we have made. Pray that you help us to 
uh, be humble enough to confess our sins to them and to make right with them. At the same time, help us to live a transparent life and also help us that we may live a life that is worthy of them copying 